0: Welcome to another PI World podcast. This is an audio only version offered as another way to enjoy our great content. A full video version can be seen on piworld.co.uk, where you can find many more videos of interest to investors.
1: Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining. We're going to concentrate today on talking to you about growth, but also starting off with uh, talking a bit about how we create value. I'll do that. By way of an intro, Lucy will then do the financial review. We'll then give you a strategic update leading to an outlook of where we think the business is going. So this is a photograph of our team gathered together in July. And it's important, and I'll explain why, that we start with an image of the eagle eye people. Our job is to bridge online to offline, increasingly important post-COVID. Once that is established, we enable digital promotions, loyalty schemes, apps, subscriptions and gift services, increasingly relevant in a time of economic distress. And um, what we're doing is creating digitally enabled marketing, which is more cost-effective marketing, and enabling that to be data-driven, leading to -to one-to-one marketing, because personalization Uh, It drives more behavior and is more cost effective. Starting with the team, we were delighted in the year to win three-star accreditation for being a world-class company to work for. I think that in a business like ours, people always tend to say, you know, there's nothing more important than our people. In a business like ours, it genuinely does start with the people and we spend an awful lot of time and effort creating an environment in which they can create value. As part of that, at that meeting in July, which you saw the photo from, we created a thing called the Purple Playbook, which is a writing down of how we've got to where we are, lists the the things that we believe in, so treating people as you'd like to be treated, if you like the golden rule, Uh, delivering value to earn loyalty, being obsessed with our customers, living our values, and you see listed there the values that we practice as an organization, about staying agile, about winning as a team, not as an individual, and then ending up with the most important thing that it's all about. You. The reason why we did this is to enable new starters to understand more quickly the business that they are joining and for managers to have a framework for which to explain and talk to the business. Because we are, for a business that has been for the last few years at some 150, 155 people, we're now to 190. Uh, We are growing fast and one of our key results will be our ability to bring new people onto the team quickly and effectively and get them to improve rather than weaken the team. As part of that, we've created our customer promise, which we're in the process of sharing with all our customers. And if you take the heart and below the line, Those are playing back to customers things that they say about us. In summary, that we care and that we try really hard. But what we recognize is that those are great attributes, but they have to be additional to a service that we're proud of, a service that has no security breaches, a service that is incredibly stable and available a service that can scale to the limits that our enterprise clients need and a service that has no incidents. And that if you like is the framework around which we have built the business and will be building it going forward. What we provide to people is something that I've described to you before as the retail nervous system. I think it's well understood that you need a brain, you need an analytics capability in order to work out what people are doing, how best to run your business, and specifically what the next best offer is or the next best message is to an individual. To do that on an individual basis with the increasing number of input points that there are now in the digital world and the increasing number of output points that there are, you need a nervous system to bring it together. And that's what we do and that's what we provide. And what it offers is real-time engagement. The big advantage of that is you can do cash as well as points. And the big advantage of being able to do cash is that in an economically constrained environment like we are now, sometimes points tomorrow are just no good. You need cash today to be able to pay for your shopping. This gives our clients the capability to do that. Furthermore, that nervous system unlocks this marketing toolkit, which gets stronger all the time, is very comprehensive. And if you join us as a client and you build in the nervous system and you integrate the nervous system with your tills, if we don't have a use case that fulfills your desires for how you want to go to market with your clients, then we build it for you. A good example of that in the year being the discounter loyalty program that we developed for Asda, where they didn't want to do points. What they wanted to do was to create missions. If you do this, you'll get that with cash rewards. That was a new capability. It was a tweak on an existing capability, but it was a new capability, which we built for them for their scheme. Looking at the opportunity then, uh, and I've touched on this already, I think lockdowns and COVID was an accelerator. So there is an accelerating move towards digital. And people who understand these things realize that the big opportunity with digital is personalization. And they also recognize that in times of financial crisis, retaining customer loyalty and winning extra spend is absolutely critical to the health of your business when the cost base is under severe pressure. We've had an outstanding year, I hope you'll agree. 39% revenue growth, ARR a bit stronger, giving you a look forward and showing the strength of the business model. The US becoming our fastest growing geography. We've continued to invest both as we win clients, but also starting to invest in new geographies. We have gone cash positive in the year and we'll come on and talk to you about the strength of the new business pipeline, which is very positive and solid. I'll now hand over to Lucy for the financial review.
0: Thank you, Tim. Uh, So starting with the key KPIs, I think we've got a strong set of KPIs that demonstrates the strength of the SaaS business model, building on what we reported last year and at the half year. All elements of the dashboard have moved forward, but I think particularly notable in the period has been the cash where we've moved to cash flow positive, so 2.8 million of cash inflow being an outflow last year, and our maiden profit after tax, are new steps forward on the KPIs. I think it's also worth highlighting uh, the two new KPIs we introduced at the half year, NRR and ARR, So NRR strong at 145% growing from last year, but also a tick up from the half year period as well. And that represents from a deepened perspective when we do more stuff with existing clients, really the strength and the return of our ability to do that with our clients. There is a little bit of COVID recovery in there. So I think if you remove the COVID recovery, The normalized NRR would be around 130%, which is still a strong KPR. In terms of ARR, um, again, a move forward by over 40% to 23.9 million. That growth reflects both doing more with our existing client base, so the deepening effect with a look forward, but also the impact of new wins in the period, particularly notable our latest significant national grocer, which went live in quarter four. So moving on to the business model slide, I think the first point to note is the graph on the right-hand side demonstrates we've been growing half-on-half, year-on-year, with a particularly strong year of growth this year, coming from international tier ones, both new and existing. In terms of the business model on the left-hand side, it's worth just as a reminder what that is. So we charge a one-off implementation fee to be on the platform. We're finding more and more our people are retained for a longer period because clients want to do more with the platform. And then the recurring revenue fees, which are predominantly license and transaction, the sticky elements of the business model. We also then pull out SMS fees, it's got a slightly different gross margin value, which we'll see in the future slides. I think I wanted to highlight on this really is the license and transaction fee growth. So combined, they've grown by 53%, which is really, really strong growth. The implementation fees, it's worth highlighting, although they grow at 29%, an element of implementation fees is deferred into future periods under IFRS 15, which dictates that you delay recognising revenue for that service until a client goes live. So at the year end, we had over £3 million worth of revenue sat on the balance sheet in relation to those services. So if you added that back in, then you'd expect the growth to come nearer than what we've seen in terms of the uh, recurring revenue as well. So strong stats also on this slide. A reminder of what we've done in terms of interactions and redemption volume through the platform. So significant growth in this area too. So going from 1 billion transactions last year to uh, 1.7 billion in this period, which is a growth of 62%. And that really demonstrates the performance of the platform that Tim showed on that customer promise slide up front. And we'll hear later more about the strength of the platformer and the developments in the year. The growth of those volumes, you can see on the right hand side, predominantly driven by loyalty, a key contributor in the period was Woolworths uh, going live and those transactions coming through from that client, as well as doing some more stuff with existing clients as well as they go through their transaction model. Promotions has also grown, significant growth, particularly linked to US clients the big one starting in quarter four. So if I look forward to the year ahead, what I would expect is actually the promotion growth next year to be quite significant as a result of those volumes coming through um, and having an annualized level of volumes for that client. Moving on to the income statements, we've talked about the revenue growth of 39% coming from all aspects of our customer strategy. And Tim will go through that in a couple of slides time. We've seen a tick up in our gross profit margin by three percentage points, and that's really very much driven by less SMS, which has got a lower gross margin. The majority of cost of sales relates to SMS carrier fees. So we're seeing that slight product mix coming through in our favor in FY22. Net operating expenses have grown by 41%, so at a lower rate than our gross profit growth. The key things to note within operating expenses are net staff costs have increased. They've increased predominantly because more people in the business. We are sitting today with about 190 people within the business, so some quite significant growth in headcount service, both new wins, but also uh, the growth in the deepen as well. Infrastructure costs have grown, uh, but a slightly higher growth rate than uh, the top line, so 57%. And that's because in some territories, when you put a big customer in, you've got to invest ahead of the curve. So we'll see that normalise in the year ahead continue to still invest in the product so 5.2 million spent on the product in the period of which about half of that is capitalized so that represents overall about 17 percent of our revenue we're still investing into the product and that's important for us because that's why clients buy from us that they know that the product's going to be continued to improve invest on and they'll benefit from that in future periods. So that leaves us with the uh, EBITDA profit of 6.5 million. We've ticked up the profit margin from 18% to 20%. And also on the bottom line, delivering our first profit after tax number of 0.6 million. We're spending a few moments just to remind you guys of the business model and how we sort of manage inflationary pressures in, in in a period like this. So we've always talked about investing on the curve, uh, rather than ahead of the curve and we continue to do that but how we run the business is that for every pound that comes into the business we say that half of that is going to be invested in the running of that service the other element of that is to be uh, invested in in areas such as sales and marketing the product and sort of the the strength of the business as well, leaving us with roughly 20% of EBITDA. And our vision going forward is to start ticking that up as a percentage. So our costs will go up, but not at the same rate, and will allow that uh, margin to continue to tick up. This next slide is around the cash bridge. As I said earlier on, uh, a really important move forward in terms of the financials, 2.8 million overall of cash inflow. We repaid the last element of the COVID repayments, which was 0.4 in the period, compared to an outflow of 0.7 million. The reconciliation of the cash is there, I won't sort of repeat it, but importantly we're left at the end of the year, both with the net cash of 3.6 million Our new facility with SVB, which replaced Barclays during the year of 5 million, plus we do have a 2.5 million accordion as well if we need to draw down on that in future periods, which leaves us with this headroom of 8.6 million. So we feel as if we're in a really good position in terms of cash generation, but also we've got the support of the SVP facility if we need for working capital or for other purposes as well. Just one last slide for me, which is around ESG. I think my summary here is: you know, we're committed to a high standard of ESG, but we really do focus on things that are going to make a difference for our business and make Eagle Eye a better business to be in. We've got a very low environmental footprint. We work with significant partners who take this stuff really seriously. We've switched our working to being virtual first this year. Uh, to reduce the carbon footprint. So we we do travel, we still do travel. It's important to see clients and clients' requirements and also for us to get together for collaboration, et cetera, et cetera. But we're not going back to the old world pre-pandemic where we had to mandate for everybody to be in the office. Social is really where we can make a difference. And I hope you feel from this presentation that we really do believe that people are our greatest asset, but also our real differentiator. And we're really committed to making Eagle Eye a really great place to work. And Tim will continue to talk about those themes as we go through the presentation. I think we introduced last year our charity of the year, which is a charity called 52 Lives. It's an incredible charity uh, that is committing to helping 52 lives a year, which is either be uh, individuals or families. And we've added on to that. So Eagle Eye is committed to helping 12 uh, individuals or families a year. And we raised £40,000 during the year, which has been really supported uh, by the people uh, in Eagle Eye. And they love love the charity and supporting the values that we already have. Purple Women was introduced in 2021, sort of led by me, a really important initiative to support women through their career at any stage of their lives at Eagle Eye. And we continue to build on what we've started um, in in the coming year also. From a governance perspective, we're strong on governance. We followed the QCA code. It's supported at a senior level, both from the chairman, Malcolm Wall, uh, and myself. We're continuing to to look at areas where we can improve, and we're monitoring the business with KPIs, which is allowing us to home in on the areas where we can really make a difference. So this is an evolving piece of work. It's never finished, um, and we'll continue to make progress in the year ahead in this area. So back to Tim for the strategic
1: update. Reminder then of our strategic focus, it's about winning new customers, getting them transacting on the platform and then deepening that with additional products and services. And that's how we drive our ARR and drive our NRO. To develop new products, and I'll come back and I'll talk to you about where we've been spending our effort this year. To enter new geographies, Um, To run the business in a better, simpler, cheaper way, a concept that we introduced a few years ago, and also to assess complementary acquisition opportunities. Uh, I'm not going to cover the last two uh, in, in this section, so I'll just touch on them briefly now. I think the business model that Lucy was describing there is what it means to run the business in a better, simpler, cheaper way. To, and, and what it implies, I think, and what you need to be understand is that the established pieces of the business are run with great attention uh, in a lean way, enabling us to generate as much opportunity to invest in new things as we can. And that's what we've been doing. It's The output of that is described in our P&L, um, but, and the investment, I'll talk about how that's manifesting itself going forward. I think if you'd asked me about acquisition opportunities in the past, my response would have been never say never. Uh, This is a sign that we are looking at things um, a bit more closely and a bit more proactively, but I have nothing to announce uh, and nothing really further to say other than to just give you notice that we are seeing if there are ways that we can accelerate the growth of our business through acquisition. So we've delivered on all aspects of the win, transact, and deepen strategy. Great win with Halfords for a subscription for car servicing. Uh, We won Giant Eagle in the US for loyalty. And we won one of the largest grocer in the US with Neptune Retail Services for consumer goods company of FMCG coupons. Big year for transactions. You know, a lot of the clients moving to the next stage of their plans, particularly Woolies, SEG and Virgin. And then an amazing year of Deepen as manifested in the NRR. You know, we've had Asda and Pizza Express as clients for probably 10 and 7 years. Pizza Express 10, Asda 7, something like that. And uh, we've used a lot of shoe leather and bruised a lot of knuckles, knocking on the door to get them to deepen the use of their, our services. And finally, in this year, they both have. Whereas if you take the Pret example, within nine months, they've actually crossed from their subscription service, which we initiated with, to a fuller loyalty program. So uh, a very strong year across all three uh, elements of, of the growth strategy, I think. Just touching a little bit, and I referred to it earlier, EDLP, everyday low Price grocers, uh, Walmart most famously, who used to own Asda, have referred ever since Sam Walton's day to loyalty schemes as a gimmick. Uh, but clearly what they have recognized, and now that they are in different ownership, is that they are missing the opportunity to capture customer data and to do better marketing by not being able to attribute what is purchased in a basket to an individual. By having a loyalty scheme, you can do that. So you can actually understand what, in this case, William is buying and create next best messages and next best offers and and missions for William to say, if you buy three of these, you'll get this. If you spend 40 of that, you'll get that and so on. And so forth. It's omnichannel, so it works both in the physical store and in the uh, in the online world, and it's very slick. In the US, I've touched on this. So this is the the big opportunity with Neptune is, is not the development of loyalty programs, but the creation of a digital capability to move the massive US paper coupon market over to its digital manifestation. We jointly won a second client to this service in the year. Um, They were one in the first quarter and they were active by May. So it's an indication of how relatively quickly this system can be got up and running. Um, It's a big market with big opportunities and it puts Neptune in a situation to um, fairly and squarely compete with the incumbents. And because these things are basically on a three-year cycle, a three-year contract, a third of the industry comes up for renewal every year and Neptune are racing around, making sure they're having the right conversations uh, with us as their digital technical partner. The other element of opportunity in the US is the loyalty element of what we do that we've done traditionally for Loblaw that I was talking to you about there for ASDA, uh, that we do for Woolies in Australia, et cetera, et cetera. And Giant Eagle have selected us to do that for them, a building on the back of the experience that we have with Loblaw. And we were delighted to announce the extension for another three years of our work with Loblaw. Giant Eagle, I think are recognized as being good at this in the US have put together a very good team. And I think it will do us a lot of good that we have been picked by them. This is not done in partnership with Neptune. This is done organically through our own sales effort. So we have two routes to asset accessing the US market. In terms of new geographies, we were able to announce in this recent RNS that we have won IKEA in Indonesia, which is part of the Dairy Farm Group, which is a massive retail group based out of Hong Kong. I think that's a great step forward, uh, great new news for us, and is a continuation of, uh, because in principle, the work that we've been doing in Australia and New Zealand is the development of the Woolies Real-Time Loyalty Scheme, um, which is about to transition to Countdown, the second largest grocer in New Zealand, and we're working on that with them at the moment. Uh, From there, we've been able to use existing contacts and existing relationships to start feeling our way into Asia. Um, Great that we have a successful result and we'll be doing more of that in the coming year. But more firmly at the moment is to start exploring the European opportunity. Uh, If you think about the way that Eagle Eye works, we run the existing pieces of business as effectively and profitably as we can. That throws off an investment pot. And one of the things we do with that investment pot is we invest in new geographies. And you can see from the US and ANZ that that, that investment starting to bear dividends with new clients going on the Wind Transact Deepen journey. This is the, the sign that we're going to start addressing that same opportunity. Uh, in uh, in Western Europe, and we are hiring and making an investment in the DAC region, Germany, Austria, and Switzerland, as our first move there. And indeed, we have some clients, Cosmos in, in Greece and HMS, starting to use the service. So we're starting to penetrate that next big opportunity in Europe. Uh, In terms of innovation, this year, one of our main areas of focus and spend was on Point of Sale Connect. And this is where we adjudicate the basket in order to say, of those 55 things that Tim Mason has just bought, those buy one, get one, freeze, those points promotions, those uh, discounted prices, etc., this is the recalculation of the cash that he should be charged and the points that he should earn. That puts us even more centrally into the process, as well as moving us more centrally, we've increased dramatically the speed at which we can do those calculations. Because as you can imagine, one of the big cost centres for our major clients is the costs of the labor to run their point of sale operations. And what they don't want is them and their clients being slowed down whilst waiting for a a computer somewhere in the cloud to do a transaction. So the speed at which we operate so that in effect, uh, we're we're less than half a second now, it's imperceptible the length of time to a consumer or indeed to a cashier, the the length of time it takes to do the calculation. So that's been an awful lot of deep tech effort and work, but it puts us in a terribly strong position with those tier one enterprise clients. In terms of product flexibility, you can see from the ASDA thing, from things that Sainsbury's have been doing on fruit and veg, just generally around the world, the things that SEG have been doing on Booster, there is an increasing desire to gamify the the delivery of promotions and, and loyalty services, and we've boosted our capability to do more in that area. Um, And what we're starting to do, because we now, because we basically, through the point of sale integration of our system, we offer the ability to do things real time, what we are starting to talk about with clients is real time marketing. So not send, as well as sending you your marketing before you plan to shop, actually sending you marketing while you're shopping. Uh, And I think that is the next big opportunity for marketing and something that our system enables people to deliver. We've done a lot of work on data and reporting to create better tools for clients to see what's going on and decide what the next best thing is to do. And we've continued to do a lot of work on creating integrations So that when we come along to a new client and they say, we work with this supplier of this and that supplier of that and that point of sale supplier, we say, oh, we already have an integration with those two. We've got 80 integrations already. We can pretty easily build uh, an integration with that one that we're not integrated to, providing you tell them that's what you want to do. So it's very important to ease our ability to work with more and more different people. So then in summary, I think we are successfully navigating the macroeconomic challenges. We're growing fast, we're under tight control where we need to invest, where we need to protect, we can within our plans. And I think probably that speaks to the growth and flexible business model. I think that customer loyalty and effective promotions will be even more important. They always have been historically in times of economic distress they are more important and so therefore i think uh, hopefully we'll find that we're pushing an in- against an open door our clients want to go digital they want to go personalized and they want to promote more effectively the sas metrics i think speak for themselves i'm particularly uh, delighted with the nrr our performance our like-for-like performance if you like And what that doesn't illustrate is the tremendous track record we're starting to develop of people who leave one of our clients, go to one of our prospects, and very quickly contact us and say, I need you to come and help us. And that is starting to become a quite substantial line of new business. I kicked off with our focus on being an exceptional place to work. All this value is created by putting our people first. And it's what we believe, it's what we do, and I believe it's our, our, our secret source. I hope I've illustrated to you that the U.S. offers significant opportunity, um, but also that we have a strong pipeline across the regions that we're in, and we're now building the capability to build that, a, a new pipeline into further regions. So uh, generally, I think the board is uh, positive and the, the start of the year um, has gone well and in line with expectations. Thank you very much indeed.
0: PI World videos and podcasts are for general information and interest. They do not constitute any kind of recommendation or inducement to buy shares of any company. PI World is not offering any kind of financial advice and nothing in our material should be taken as such.